everybody. And how's the sound? Is it, is the quality of sound pretty good? We'll find out. We'll okay. Find no, can out. you hear? Oh, yeah, but you can hear me good, right? I can hear you. Welcome, okay. welcome, welcome. Welcome. Can everybody hear? Can we hear? Can you hear us? Are we talking? You can hear us. Everything is good. The audio is good. Mm. Yes. Okay. Hi, everyone. Great, 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 great. All right. Awesome. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, welcome to Zenful Conversations. Let me just change this to speaker. There we go. Um, we're here. You can find us having conversations daily in a private Facebook group for women. We're in our fourth year of a conversation. The so conversations are remarkable. For more information on this group, other our guest speakers, and all of our Zoom offerings, please visit zenfulconversations.com. My name is Zen Jen Brown. I'm your host, and we're here today with our guest speaker, founder of Always on Purpose, author, speaker, leadership coach, and facilitator, zooming in with us from California, Amy Eliza Wong. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. Gosh, I thank you for taking the time, everyone, to hang out with me. This is awesome. <laughs> it, it is awesome. It is awesome. And, yeah. and um, it's a great group of women. Um, so let me just give a little bit of information about Amy, and I'm just going to take it from her book cover, her book jacket. Amy Eliza Wong is the founder of Always on Purpose. She is a transformational coach and facilitator working with the biggest names in tech, such as Salesforce, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Amy offers transformative leadership development and cutting edge communication strategies, not only to executives and corporate teams around the world, but also in the halls of academia with institutions such as Stanford University and the University of California at Berkeley. Amy pulls from various disciplines, studies, and practices to find a conciliant approach to achieving genuine and lasting success, what she refers to as the fundamentals of thriving. For more than 20 years, Amy has devoted herself to the study and practice of transformation. As a certified executive coach using expertise in transpersonal psychology, design thinking, interpersonal neurobiology, and conversational intelligence, Amy has catalyzed transformative growth for hundreds of executives and teams. Amy graduated from UC Berkeley with a BA in mathematics and has an MA in transpersonal psychology from Sophia University. When she's not writing, coaching, and speaking, Amy spends time in Berkeley, California with her husband, her two children, and her two dogs. Amy, thank you again for coming and sharing your love and your energy here. Thank you so much, Jen. That was a mouthful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, we we read. We've been reading your book in our group. Um, oh, we're not like through it. We 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 pull from many. We read from many books. We have many books, but. Um, we have been reading from this and, and it's, we're finding it rather powerful. Mm. I want to thank you for writing it, first of all. Mm. Thank you for writing it. But can you share a little bit, a little bit with us about your journey that led you to this point in time with this understanding? Can you just yeah. give us a brief? Perfect. 
Gosh, absolutely. Gosh, there's, there's so much I could say about this. And, you know, I kind of working backwards. So I've been a coach for over a decade now, and I have worked with so many different, amazing individuals, just a full spectrum of folks. Um, at this point in my career right now, over the, I'd say over the past five years, well, four years or so, I've been really heavily focused on um, leadership coaching and and working in, in tech at the moment. But but in in the hundreds and hundreds of conversations that I have had over this decade, the same themes just kept popping up. And it was so clear to me that it's just... Uh, everyone was suffering silently. Everyone suffers silently. Everyone thinks that, oh, I'm the only one that is struggling with this or that believes this and shouldn't be or doing this and shouldn't be. And, oh, and they've got it good, but I don't. And why is it so hard for me? And, and it didn't matter if you were, you know, just graduating from college or if you were a single parent or if you were a CEO of a successful company. I mean, everyone was really suffering silently. And, you know, all of my life, I had been, I have been so passionate and fascinated in the, the intersection between science and spirituality. So I, it's funny, I, I didn't know back then why I was so drawn to math, but truly passionate about math. And um, I, I get it now so that I can understand physics and quantum physics that makes sense to me. Right. So that, that was, that was nice, but but that that passion for truth in that objective sense, and then the passion for truth in a subjective sense around spirituality, consciousness studies, you know, really diving into Eastern mysticism when I was in high school, just so fascinated that all of the all of the all of my curiosities and my research that I just I was so in, in, immersed in really since childhood until now really started to come to life in my conversations. And then it was around 2014 that, well, I'll tell you this. So I was in the midst of certification for, for conversational intelligence, which really is the neuroscience of trust. Fascinating stuff. So fascinating. Mm. And I was so drawn to it. And it was just, I mean, it was, I, you, I don't know how to put it, but it was <laughs> For the, the I was learning the neuroscience of communication, but mainly rejection. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh my gosh, this is the missing piece that kind of puts all these pieces together that I had been working with with clients to catalyze transformation. And I kid you not, it was the moment it was illuminated that wait a minute, rejection is this fundamental for all of us? And it really, truly is primary. And oh my, like, just that's when I felt like fireworks went off in my head. And it was that all coming together. So in 2014, I was like, that's it. I know exactly what this book is. I know what it needs to be. I've got the formula. I've got like, this works. This works for people. It's, it's clear. And in 2014, I also knew I, it wasn't time to write the book because I was still in process of getting more research and having more conversations. And so through the lens of knowing what the book would be, I was having really rich conversations. And it was in 2019 that I thought, okay, now is the time. I'm ready. I got to do this. And so in a very beautifully synchronistic and, and magical way, it feels, um, the book really did come come to life and now here we are. So that's really how from 
that's really how it's it's come to life. And you know, I have to say it's one of those things where it wasn't a lot of people will write a book because you know it's a marketing tool, or so a lot of people will write a book because they think they're going to make money off of it. But you know, in in my case, I just I had to because it helps people. And you know, the fact that like what I what I'm doing with clients on a one on one basis absolutely works. I'm like, well that sucks then. Cause if you, you just, I mean, you're limited. I'm only limited to the folks I can reach in a day that that's not going to work. So I had to put, I had to get it in book form and get it out in the world. Uh, how are the sales going? Wonderfully. I would suspect. Yes. Yeah. You know, I have to say it's, I, I have been so delighted because it, they're doing, it's doing really well. In fact, okay. You're going to love this. I, this is such amazing news. So Oprah Winfrey, has um, her executive producer, you might be familiar with her name. Her name is Sherry Salata, and she does amazing work in the transformational space. She was Oprah Winfrey's executive pr producer for 20 years. So she was running the whole show. Um, she has recently gotten hold of my book and she's like, oh my gosh, this is the real wow. deal. It totally works. I love this. And so I, um, so she's introduced it to the global community. I'm her book club choice. And this is so great. You ready for this? That's so fantastic. she's friends with Deepak Chopra. So she featured his new book. And she had him talking and she would invite him to the, so and like, they just finished. She's like, okay, now it's your book. And so now I'm invited. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm like behind you, Bob Jover. That's amazing. Feels that super is, good. So that, so that's been really, really wonderful. And that, that's over the top. Yeah, it helps. Yeah, it's helping. It's working. It, it really does work for people. And that, that to me, Jen, I just, it's just knowing that, because, because here's the challenge, you know, it's one thing to think a thought. It's another to say it, right? But it's it's an entirely different thing to write it out for all audiences for all time. And so <laughs> it was pretty clear that like what I can do in session with folks, I'm, I'm like, regardless of who you are, I can meld to your language. I can work with your argument. I can come up with ways to help you see your blind spots, but that's all unique. But then you have to capture that and then you have to translate it into a body of work that is relatable and understandable for all audience. So that, that was the thing that really whacked me out throughout the writing process is, does this work? Is this applicable? So now that I'm on the other side of it and I'm getting the feedback that, yeah, this oh, works. That's awesome. That's I'm like, awesome. Oh, that feedback, that feedback that, is so important. Yeah. 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 People don't realize how, how important their feedback is because that, that's how you know what you're doing is, is right on target. Yeah. Okay. And you want to hear something really silly. Okay. Can yeah. I share with you something? Okay. So, you know, it's funny because I've got, I've, I've made wonderful author friends in the process of this and, you know, everybody's been saying, okay, Amy, get ready for the haters. They're all going to come out and they're mean, they're really mean. And, you know, you have to brace yourself because that's just going to happen. And I'm like, okay, I can do this because I know the neuroscience of rejection and I know the tools and I can, okay, I'm, I'm ready for it. Like the haters haven't come. And I'm like, well, is the book not good enough that it's not reaching enough people? <laughs> like, wait, I have I not know. arrived because the haters have been gone? <laughs> the law of attraction, the energetic, the energy that we're sending out. You're leading with love. Totally, totally, That's totally. What you're going to get but back. No, the, the, the feedback, I have to say though, I mean, I'm getting good constructive feedback, you know, and, and the, obviously the book's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to be a hit for everybody. It's not, you know, there's going to be people that don't appreciate, like, for example, I did get feedback on Amazon that like way too much backstory. You know, I just want, I just want the motivational message. And then yet there's all this feedback saying, oh my gosh, it's because there's so much 
vulnerable story, I was actually able to be vulnerable. So thank you. And so, you know, you can't please everybody. You can't please everybody. And that's really important to realize because it'll, it'll stop you from doing what you need to do in life. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. I'll tell you when I first got your book and I opened it up, what struck me right away, I saw that feel it out, not figure it out. Yeah. And I'll tell you that really, because I'm, I've been a pretty good figure it out woman. And it's like just the energy, as soon as I read it, I, the energy was completely different. Feel it out is soft and loving. Figure it out is giving me a headache already. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. So can you, can you talk a little bit about that? hundred percent. I mean, this is one of the cornerstone ideas of what it takes to really thrive. And there's, there's, gosh, there's just so much to say about this, but, you know, I'll, I'll start by saying, you know, something that we're not taught young and something we, we, we forget in this journey that we're on. And I think largely because it's, it's due to our educational system and just how we are rewarded and how we operate in our society, we forget that everything that we want, whether it's a new job or it's to retire or it's a certain amount of money, we forget that it's not the thing we want. We want the feeling we think we would have as a result of the thing. It's not just the thing. And so the ultimate map to the feeling state, that gets lost in translation. And what happens is we get so hard set and, and like, I'm after the thing. And, you know, I, and you look back at your life and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Why? Because you go to, it's just how we're trained, go to school, get good grades, get good grades. So you can get a good college, get in a good college. So you can get a good job, get a good job. So you can make lots of money and make lots of money. And then, yeah, there you go. And it's like, well, hold on. What's that all for? We're not taught to ask, what do I want to feel? What is this all for? We're just, we're trained to kind of chase after the thing and get rewarded for that. And, and it, and it kind of feels, it seems right to us, but then what happens is we get really good at figuring out our way to the thing. Here's the strategy. Here's the plan. Here's the, and we're constantly strategizing our way to a thing, often forsaking the feeling state we want because we're so caught up on the thing. And in, and in that process of doing this, what happens is a lot of times we will end up, and this was my case, we will end up with a great life. It's like, well, I got this, I got this. Like, I mean, I kind of got everything I set out to, why do I feel so hollow? Why do I feel unfulfilled? And it's, and it's, and then you kind of feel bad because you're like, well, I really, there's really no room to complain here. And that can happen for folks. And why? It's because we're figuring out our way to an idea versus feeling our way into a desired feeling state. And so part of what feeling it out is really waking up to this reality and then asking, getting really good at, okay, yeah, I got goals. I got visions. I got vision boards. Yes. And what do I want to be feeling? Like, yeah, I say I want a new job, but let's get clear. What is it that I want to feel? Now, just by getting clear about that and really illuminating that awareness for oneself, all of a sudden that's, that kind of sharpens your perceptual lens just by getting clear on that. Now, once you get clear on what you want to feel, all of a sudden your world kind of changes a little bit, not because the world changes, it's because your lens changes. Now you're, now you're going to see 
opportunities and possibilities. And you're going to see what is around you in a slightly different way because it's going to be more congruent to that desired feeling state. So all of a sudden, things might be more possible. There might be more options that you wouldn't otherwise see. And so that's a big part of the magic we feel once we start waking up to what's true. So that's a big part of it. And the best bit of this feeling it out versus figuring it out is it just, it just feels so much more fun and fulfilling to go through your days navigating by feeling for that expansive feeling versus the constricted feeling. Right. So if you've got a dilemma on your hands and you're like, okay, do I take this job that kind of checks off all the boxes or do I go to this conference that like is so fascinating that, you know, I'm just coming up with two. Oh, I know it's like when you, when you, when you figure out that dilemma, it's like, okay, well, let me, well, that makes sense. But when you feel something out, it's, oh, this just feels relieving. This feels amazing. And when you can get good at reaching for the feeling that makes you feel expansive versus constricted, where the energy is more lower in your body, where it feels expansive and not heady and frenzy. Like you said, I've got a headache already. It's like, that's the figuring it out. When we can get good at really trusting that this is the path of least resistance to the path of most abundance in the most delightful way and start feeling that you will be so delighted and how that feedback, there's that word feedback really proves, oh, okay, this is the way we could be going about it. It's just so much more fun and way more fruitful. Um, so you're, uh, I want to make sure I understand it correctly because our feelings are friggin', I feel like a cupcake, a chocolate cupcake, and that's not a good thing to have. So we're talking more about our gut, <laughs> our gut instinct, though, not our wishy-washy feelings. And if I feel like this, I don't feel like exercising. You know, I mean, there's like, there's a wishy-washiness to our feelings. They're very fleeting. So we're talking oh, more, sure. we're talking our gut instinct, right? And, and getting in touch with something deeper. Mm, yes, absolutely. It's really, it, well, it takes being really present, being more honest with yourself. Like, so it's, it's what, what is it that I really want to feel? And we have to get really good at identifying what's wanted versus what, you know, instead of avoiding what's not wanted, right? And so if I don't know where you are in, in the book, but I really break this down in chapter four, which is titled, I should you not, <laughs> which right. we, is we, all we, about we, the word should, right? Yeah, and so how on that. it's, it is, this is a powerful one because that, you know, oftentimes we'll be navigating and what we're trying to do is we're really more avoiding negative feelings or avoiding negative consequences about what we actually really want. So to your point about, you know, is it that feeling it out really is about dropping in to our gut? That is a, that's really what it's about, but it's, it's recognizing and it's, it's listening for the, 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 the voice and the, and the feeling of inspiration. So have any of you here on this, on the call, have you had that experience where you get an idea or something comes across your path and you get that <gasps> feeling where it's, it's like this breath of just like the breath of insight. It's like, <gasps> where it feels like your breath got knocked into you, not out of you, but into you. Have you ever had that? Raise your hand if you've had that feeling before. And doesn't it feel so good? Like, <gasps> it's so energizing. Yeah. So that, see that, that's really kind of what we're looking for. Mm -hmm 
Um, and it's not like we're looking for that all the time. We're for, for example, like, okay, I'm going to have lunch. Do I want a burrito or do I want a salad? Like, where's the, it's not, I mean, it's not like that. Right? <laughs> it's really more so the, as I'm kind of contemplating the bigger things in life, where's that expansive life-giving feeling that just feels here in your gut, like you said, versus where it feels really frenetic up here. And then just being able to discern amongst the two is really powerful. That, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for, for clarifying. Yeah. Um, anybody have any questions or comments they'd like to ask? This is the time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be shy. Don't bite. I promise. Does any, I any love comments conversation. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of times they're just listening and intrigued by the conversation and yeah. they just like hearing what, 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 what is shared, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was having a conversation with somebody and I said, uh, you know, about the should. Now, I, I, we all talk, we talk, we, we're in our fourth year of conversations and talking about enjoying our experience of life and improving our experience of life. We've talked a great deal. Last year was all about living the law of attraction. We mm. realized this year is a little bit more on a little bit of self-discipline because we need that. <laughs> sure, sure. And um, so the should word has come up and we very well know about our vibrations and uh, what that does to it. I've still said it <laughs> in our conversation the other a uh, couple of few weeks ago when I was talking to this fella and he said to me right there he said well no because I was talking about my meditation practice be mm. not being where it should be mm. Mm. and he said well no what it where it could be mm -hmm. there we go and I'll tell you just changing that word from should to Perfect. could all of a sudden I think I have the greatest meditation practice in the world <laughs> oh that's Be huge. because it's what i could have that's right that's so right changing it from should to could is is was i just wanted to share that with you because oh my gosh uh so much goodness you know i'll expand on that if that's if it's helpful yes, yes, let, me, yes. let me break this down because i think um this will be i kind of i kind of map this out in the book but it might be fun to have a conversation about it but you know what what I don't super explicitly say in the book, and this all this all end up mapping out in my second book at some point in the future. But what what I find is super transformative to understand is that there's one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you all to understand this. There, when we think about all things negativity, stress, anxiety, disappointment, frustration. Let's imagine, you know, and we've, and I'm sure you've seen that, like you've got an emotional scale. If you know, Abraham Hicks, she does that emotional scale. And like the, you know, you've got all the emotions, here's neutral, here's all the positivity, all the negative emotions, decreasing in negativity. Okay. So I'm going to give you a new way of thinking about this that hopefully will be an eye opener because it's, it's freed me tremendously. And it, it's, I just love this. Okay. So if you can imagine this scale, here's neutral. Now, everything below neutral, whether it's as mild as confusion, all the way down to, um, you know, is as intense to depths of despair. Everything below neutral is caused by one thing, only one thing. And when you get this, it's a game changer, but here it is everything whether it's confusion all the way down to anger and revenge, it's this. 
here you are existing. And the moment you resist what is, boom, you drop below neutral. Resistance to what is drops us below neutral. And so now what I want you to think about is each of these negative emotions isn't just a distinct negative emotion. It is a measure of resistance increasing in intensity. And so, I mean, really check this out for yourself. The only time we will drop below neutral is simply because we're pushing against what is. Now, what does that mean? Now, sure, it could be overt resistance, such as I get in the car, I got to go pick up my kids from camp, I'm running late, and all of a sudden I hit traffic and there's this accident and now I'm going to be super late. I'm like, ah, right? So that's overt resistance where you're like, I don't want this. Boom, frustration and anger, right? That's obvious. But there are other ways in which we resist and we don't really think about it, but here it is, judgment. Anytime we judge ourselves, others, or circumstances, we're essentially pushing against what is. The moment we push what is, boom, we're below neutral, right? When we compare ourselves negatively, it's, it's a form of judgment. I should be somewhere else. Now, here's, here's the big unlock. Should is the hallmark indicator that you are using resistance to get ahead. Because think about it. Every single negative, I'm going to check this out with you. So let's imagine that like here's neutral, right? So let's imagine that right above neutral is the state of curiosity. Ah, now think about and feel into that state. Like when you experience curiosity, hmm, is there any resistance in curiosity? What do you think? Any resistance? No, it's open, right? I mean, there's not a tremendous amount of momentum, but it's lovely, it's open. Now, right on the flip side of curious, let's say on the other side of neutral, the shadow side of curious is confused. Can okay, I think about and feel into confused? Is there any resistance in confused? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Why? Because it's predicated on the thought. There is something I should know here that I don't should. And then you keep going. Now you're bored. There's something I should be doing that's not this. Now you're annoyed. He shouldn't be doing that. Frustrated. This shouldn't have happened. Anger. I, you know, I should have blah, blah, blah. So essentially we could identify in every negative state, there's absolutely a should going on. And so the reason I like to break down this word, is like, well, wow, we are using, we've tricked ourselves into thinking that this word actually helps us move ahead in life when in fact, it just keeps us underwater. And, you know, the bigger, the bigger visual I want to offer here is like, think about resistance itself. Okay. Resistance takes resources. This takes energy. I mean, y'all weight train, anybody do any weight training? You know, you build your muscle. What does that take? It takes, it's like, right. You've done it before you lift something <laughs> heavy. It's resistance, right? Your muscles get bigger, but it's, it's resistance. It takes energy. Okay. So when we've got resistance going on, it's kind of like this. Let's imagine that each and every one of us has this channel for bandwidth, right? I hate to think that we're finite, but let's just for the sake of argument, let's imagine that each of us have this channel for bandwidth. And when 100% of our bandwidth is flowing in one unimpeded direction from our untriggered, optimal brain, survival brain, quiet, that's flow. Have y'all been in that state? of flow before the loss of time. It just feels so good. Yeah. Flow. So flow is a hundred percent of your resources flowing in one unimpeded direction out to the connected world. Great. Okay. Now, if you've got shoulds running on in the background, oh, I shouldn't have eaten so much cake last night. I should have worked out this morning. I should have gotten more sleep. I should have prepared more should, 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 should. to the degree that you 
you should, and the should's running in your equation, you're jamming up, right? Mm, you're jamming because that's resistance. You're jamming up that flow. So essentially you're operating on a day-to-day -day basis with just a subset of that bandwidth that you want to be working on. So here's the visual. Okay. Mm. I've got this pitcher of water here. You see this? Okay. So this is kind of heavy. I mean, maybe it's about five, seven pounds or so. Now let's imagine that the weight of this water represents the amount of shoulds I got going on. I shouldn't have drank so much wine last night. I should have told my husband to pick up my kids earlier so that he's not late. I should have walked the dog, what, blah, 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 right? So now, okay, I'm gonna hold this out because now I'm resist, that's my shoulds. So essentially when we're using shoulds to get along, so now I'm holding this out and I'm having this conversation with you. Now, can I do this with you? Yeah, but that's kind of distracting. And this is gonna keep me from being totally present and totally available for you all. This is getting really tired. And the more I hold it up, the less effective F is really tired. <laughs> the more, the more, you know, the, I'm, I'm not going to really fully be able to innovate, to co-create, to show up, to come up with the great ideas. And so this is what I want you to be thinking about in terms of what it takes to thrive. It's when we're resisting what is, we're using should, when we're using should, we're underwater and eating up our resources. Is there another way to go about it? Absolutely. We pivot from the pushing against what we don't want to what it could be, like you said, Jen, or what do I want versus what am I trying to avoid? Yeah. So I break, so the practice of that, I break it down, you know, in the book, but, but I just feel like this is such a helpful aha for folks. Like, oh my gosh, if you really just want to thrive, recognize that the only reason you're below neutral is simply because you're pushing against what is. So if you make that, and that alone, your practice to care about how you feel, catch when you're not feeling great. And then just like, wait, what am I resisting right now? Oh, oh. And then you recognize, oh, that's futile. Why am I doing that? So just awareness often is enough to allow us to drop it so that we can float back up. Yeah, resistance is huge. Well, and not only is it the actual thing, but you, then you have the resistance to deal with too. So you like, you create yeah. much more much more for yourself yeah 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 so i'm curious for everybody here on the call what did yeah. what kind of shoulds do you hear yourself say like what are your biggest shoulds in life somebody I, has one i'm sure and like jane mentioned before sometimes self-discipline talk can become a little bit limiting in the yeah. sense that the language that we use when we talk ourselves may mm -hmm. descending and like you just explained, sometimes the language can result to be a way that you're lifting and is impeding your evolution in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that limiting, so it, so specifically, what might you hear yourself say to yours? Like, do you say anything like often that it's like, oh, I, I hear that. I say this to myself all the time. Yeah, I should make better choices uh, in terms mm -hmm. of eating. Uh, I should make better choices in terms of time management. Uh, both time to work, I feel guilty. I'm neglecting my personal life. If I devote time to my personal life, I feel guilty. I'm neglecting my laboral life. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have that one guilt, a guilt lot. Is a, guilt is a big thing. Guilt. Say that again. Guilt is Marcia? guilt. Oh, Maria. Guilt is a guilt is a huge thing. We we yeah. feel guilt a lot as women. I think. Hundred percent, especially if your mom, anybody, moms on the call here, mm -hmm. anyone have kids? Yeah, that's 
Absolutely. What about um, fear or um, confidence? I I have lack of confidence that I can do something, you know. Mm. I, I don't know if it's lack of confidence, fear. Um, where does that play in the scale of? Oh, that's a great question. Like specifically, so is it that you're feeling um, that I can't do? Can it? you give me a bit more specifics? Because I'd let, let's break this um, down. This will be great. Uh, direction someplace to go go someplace. I know a lot of people rely on GPS now, you know, everybody relies on their GPS, but to, to go out and to go someplace where I've never been yeah, is yeah. scary or, or, you know, fly, traveling on my own, doing it by myself. Yeah. Yeah. The, the confidence. Um, sure. Uh, I haven't, you know, I, I was a stay at home mom and did, did, I mean, I know that's a huge job in and of itself. Yes. Um, and it's what I always wanted. And so I have no regrets with that, but um, I, I had, uh, I suffered from migraines, so I was very limited. I um, did cleaning jobs, A, for, it was the flexibility to do all the kids' activities, but also the flexibility, if I had a migraine, I could clean another day. And so, yeah. so now I'm trying to figure out, um, yeah, we moved down here to Florida and I'm trying to figure out my purpose or what, what's the mm. next step, getting back out there into the workforce. Um, so that fear of, you know, the technology, sure. <laughs> technology, um, and, and all that stuff. And I, you know, you're and, and as you get older, your brain's a little, you know, you haven't used it. And so just that fear and that lack of confidence. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, thank you for sharing. And I'm so glad you bring this up because, you know, it can be really powerful is to start the inquiry process. So, and you may have done this, but, you know, as a coach, my first thing, my first thought is, okay, Maria, well, like follow that fear. Like, what is it that you're really afraid of? Mm -hmm. Like, where do you go? What, what happens? What are you fear, afraid of? Getting lost. <laughs> okay. So keep going. So then you get lost. Getting so then lost. what? Getting in a bad section, you know, where you don't know where you are and getting more and more lost and yeah, getting lost, I guess, is in, in not knowing how to get back or not knowing where I'm going and, or getting into, a, you know, traffic that's really bad or, you know, whatever, just right. getting lost and getting into a situation where I don't know how to get out of it. Got fear, it. My, my, it's the fear of unknown. The fear of the unknown. Fear yeah. of the unknown. Yeah. I was just on a podcast earlier today and I mean, that came up because it's just all of us would rather stay safe in discomfort than mm -hmm. push the edges of the known into the unknown for fear of, and then we're like, for fear of what? Yeah. And so this is where sometimes, so this is where we might want to check our operating beliefs. Right. So Maria, I, you, you've raised, you raised kid to how many, two, two, kids. two, T twins. No, two kids, two, oh, kids. two kids. I'm like twins. I'm like, gosh, they're, they're almost like twins. They were 13 months yeah. apart. So they were almost like twins. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So that right there, is that, is that not one of the most magnificent, miraculous feats of humankind is to raise humans to be self-sufficient, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what I'm, what I know about you so far, Maria, is you are incredibly resourceful <laughs> and you are incredibly resilient. And I'm certain that you could probably figure out anything if you needed to. What's happening is that you're forgetting your innate resourcefulness and innate, innate resiliency. Mm -hmm. And there is this unchecked fear that 
oh my gosh, what if this opportunity that I'm, I'm flirting with right now, what if this is the one and only time things fall apart and I totally fall off the plank, right? This is it. I'm going to fail at this one. But the truth is you've always figured it out. Mm-hmm. You've always made it work. So why is this time going to be the time that you're not going to be able to do it? Because guess what? You can, mm-hmm. you do have the resourcefulness. You do have the resiliency, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's the, it's the fear, right? So fear is resistance in some way, shape or form. So that's getting in the way of thinking clearly about, well, let's imagine I do get lost. Well, I'll ask for directions. <laughs> I'll get out of the car and ask for directions. I'll go ask the station agent, you know, if I'm on a plane and I, oops, did I, am I at the right connecting gate? I don't know. I'll ask for help, right? But we forget we have, we have ways of, 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 thriving you know I think too it comes to you know as you get older and 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 your brain doesn't remember things and so someone will say do Mm -hmm. this this and this and I can only remember the first thing they just wanted (laughs) to don't tell me more than two things oh what was that again or or going to a job and having co-workers and I you know my my brain is rusty and having to repeat it like well so I'm going to pause you right there Maria so I'm going to totally pause you so The one thing that's so amazing about our human body and our brain is that it's totally plastic. And so I'm going to invite you and I'm going to lovingly say, don't say that anymore because your words create worlds. And so to continually affirm, oh, my brain is rusty. Oh, I'm forgetful. Oh, I'm not good at this. That's the reality that you keep walking into, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it is a practice to be so pristine with our words because, because it's easy to fall back into the narrative of the unideal and what we think is true. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not great at this. Like, why, why would we affirm that? Why would we affirm that? You know, and in the same way, I'm sure you did with your kids, you know, like, oh, I'm stupid. I can't do it. You'd be like, what do you say? Like, don't say that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, we've got to do that with ourselves. My kids say that to me all the time too. It kind of comes full circle. <laughs> right. Like, say that you know you can do it yeah that's right well you know I have to share with you all something that was just so delightful so I have a 14 year old and a nine-year-old and my nine-year-old wasn't feeling super well food poisoning so couldn't go to camp the first day and super bummed because it's this really cool aquatic camp and um and this you know Ayla ends up just doing research and somehow ends up on the topic of the placebo effect and later that day, it was like, oh my gosh, have you heard of this thing called the placebo effect? Like, <laughs> this is wild, right? And like, essentially saying, so our thoughts really do create. And I'm like, girlfriend, that's what I've been trying to tell you since you were like wee little. But it really clicked like, oh my gosh, that whatever you're thinking, whatever, like you you actually live into that. And this right there, the whole placebo effect thing, I'm like, if how are we not all taking this more serious that our thoughts create, that we, our consciousness creates, that our focus creates? It's just bonkers to me. It's just bonkers. But anyway, I say that because, you know, it, it, for all of us, we can look at that and go, right. So whatever I'm focusing on, I walk right into. So I'm going to be better at just catching this narrative. Like, you know what? And, and you want to choose something that doesn't feel untrue, but doesn't feel demeaning to your, to your point, Lord, like you were saying, it feels demeaning. So maybe we say something like, you know, I'm getting better at this every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the fact that my brain grows and changes based upon my attention. And I love that this is possible. Mm-hmm. I love that I'm resilient because I am, 
And I love that I'm still learning new school skills, um, you know, and just kind of reorienting the narrative so that it it's expansive instead of constrictive, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank, yeah. You. thank you. Yeah, yeah no, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. you. Barbara, did you have something you wanted to share? Um, Yes, I just want to share for me a a struggle I've had. Um, I've had a very, I feel like a purposeful life and uh, just retired from 37 years in the early childhood education development field. And and I loved it. And once I was retired, had all this time, which is a gift and a blessing, but I have all these dreams I want to do, but I'm procrastinating. And I know I was exhausted from, so many years of work that, you know, when I finally stopped and stopped taking care of family and now I'm just focused on myself, all of a sudden it's like my energy level just planked out. I'm exhausted. And I'm like, but this is the time where I want to start doing art and writing and, you know, increase everything for my own practice, yeah. you know, yes. and, and I'm just procrastinating. It's a year oh. later. And, you know, I haven't done any, well, only a little bit of art, only a little bit of writing. And oh, I, Barbara. I Barbara, Barbara, Barbara. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So friend, I, so you, it's been a year that you've been retired. That's yes. That's something. Okay. Retired. Yes. Yeah. So that's beautiful and brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so what I think if you're all picking up on this, everyone here, what I'm kind of hearing Barbara is there's a way you should be going about this. <laughs> there is a ultimate should reality that you need to align to. If you're going to do this retirement thing, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm like, should, according to who? By what mm-hmm. timeline, by what mm-hmm. standard up in the sky that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. right? And so I would just, I would, I would lovingly encourage you to think about our lives as seasons, right? Mm-hmm. We, you, 37 years is a long, amazing time where mm-hmm. you are present for children and their families. I mean, that's, that's huge. You, you've spent one year cultivating and, and kind of nourishing your yourself one year, mm-hmm. <laughs> 37. <laughs> and so, you know, something that I believe, is it a truth? No, but it's a choice I choose to believe. And I break this down in, in the book. I really think that procrastination is an amazing communication from our higher self to us. Ah. Saying, yeah, that it's because it's information. It's mm-hmm. you telling you, Hey, yeah, you want to do these things, but now is not the right time mm-hmm. because it's not bolstered by inspiration. It's an idea. And so you could go forth, but the, the thing about procrastination is that it's telling you, yeah, you could go forth and force yourself to map out plans and do the thing, but the return will not be worth the investment mm-hmm. because the components aren't lined up. The people aren't lined up. Your energy's not lined up. So just listen to it. And so what I invite everyone here, and it's a practice for me, is to really honor procrastination as as really valuable information that maybe now is not the right time to act, or this isn't isn't the ultimate path of least resistance to the path of most abundance. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to listen to that. Now, if you're procrastinating on your bills (laughs) and like you need to pay them, like, like there's that's like, you know, there's sometimes brute force is required, but but I'll guarantee you though, in your vision of what's wanted, none of you want to be delinquent on your bills. So the inspiration to pay your bills will hit you at some point before deadline, right? But um, but yeah, I would just say, don't be please, if it's just just if you can drop resistance to this relationship you have to what is, 
-hmm. and just let it be and honor this as this winter season that you're going through where you're kind of going within and and soon spring will come, you know, Mm -hmm. you're planting the seeds, the blossoms Mm -hmm. will emerge, but to just be in that place of delight and curiosity instead of resistance and judgment, because Mm -hmm. guess what? It's going to happen. I it's, love that. I feel released now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's true. Well, plus you're doing, you're doing, you're doing, I mean, I, I know you're doing stuff because yes. you're, you're doing stuff with me. Yes. <laughs> so oh, I know you're doing, and I'm yes. and you're sharing your, your journey, you know, with your, yes. your beautiful grandkids and stuff too. Yes. So, um, but yeah, one year, you know, you, you shoot, I'm thinking, I need to rest after that for, you know, a year. It sounds pretty good. And just to collect your thoughts, just to give your whole mind, body, spirit time to sift out all the energetic changes yes. and just to, you know, to yeah. lighten it all out there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That definitely helps me to reseek. It's it's not just the 37 years, but I've been taking care of adult family members for 60 mm-hmm. years. And so, and so I've always been focused, you know, focused, taking care of, you know, my sister, focused with work, focused, blah, blah, everything. So you're, you're right. This time is like a blessing to yeah. just relax and, and uh, let things unfold. And then it'll, you know, the path will open to that direction. So absolutely, absolutely. You know, the visual I have in my mind, have you all been in the airport, you know, where they have um, those those conveyor belts that allow you to walk and go faster down, down a, down a gate. You know, I feel like you've been on that conveyor belt and all of a sudden you've just stepped off of it and you're like, hold on, wait a minute. What, yeah. what, why am I going so slow? But it's, but yeah. and so in the search for looking for the conveyor belt, you know, you might be missing out on, Oh, look at this beautiful painting that they're featuring the Aborigines of Australia. Wow. That's kind of cool. Right. So it's, yeah. It's just a different shift in momentum, but, mm-hmm. but no less important and no less fruitful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, yeah. Barbara. Thank you. Barbara. Cheryl? Um, well, I'm just relating to what she was saying. Um, uh, I, I kind of jumped off that uh, treadmill with my music. I think I explained that to you on other calls. Um, and just have had a heck of a time getting back on it and it's because I was burnt out it was uh I don't know I played in a lot of different groups there was a lot of rehearsals there's a lot of responsibility you're trying to balance all these balls and um I got into a new relationship and my and he kind of taught me how to slow down (laughs) And since I've slowed down, I really I'm finding it hard to find inside of me that get up and go again to get back on that um, treadmill. So I'm I'm thinking when I was uh, just listening a minute ago, I guess my brain was turning and I was thinking, I guess the procrastination that I'm doing is also a healing process. Mm. And once I get, once I'm bored of it, then I will be inspired and then I'll be back there because um, I was actually listening to your book and you were talking about inspiration a lot and that I could relate to that. 
because the reason why I was on that treadmill for many years was inspiring. I aspired to be in an orchestra that I wanted to be in. And I had to reach a certain level to get into that orchestra. And then I experienced that. Uh Um, Lots of different things. So I'm thinking, I guess when it settles down and I'm bored of what I'm doing, then inspiration will come back. And then I'll be like, oh man, I got to get practicing because I've got this event or whatever so it, well it's I, I love for this. a lot of people on this yeah. call possibly I don't know Cheryl that's so beautiful thank you for sharing absolutely <laughs> and I think that's I think there's so much wisdom in that and you know I, I think it can be helpful you know for you Barbara and Cheryl and everybody else also too to remember it's what you're after is a feeling state, not an action, not a doing, not a plan. And so deep down, Cheryl, I'm going to bet that you're pretty happy with how you feel on a normal, like day-to-day basis. And when you compare that to the treadmill, there's a part of you that's like, do I want to go back to that feeling state versus this feeling state that I have? And the idea of what that treadmill life created might be exciting but when it comes to how you want to feel on a day-to-day basis, I'm going to bet you really do appreciate the presence and the spaciousness that you are now living so yeah. much so that you're not feeling so compelled to reach for that feeling state yeah. because that's not desired. Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying um, just having the grandkids over every once in a while and um, my slower pace of life, um, yeah. finishing up work. I'm going to retire in two years and just kind of getting regrouping maybe. And I, and you're right. I, I feel at calm and at peace with that kind of, but in my mind, I feel guilty <laughs> oh, because, Oh, there's the should because yeah. Cheryl, you know what? So let's, let's just like, there it is. All of us. It's so ingrained of us to have this, this should. So should implies that there's this fixed reality out there. We have to align to in order to get, live the good life. right? It's like, there's this big book of shoulds up in the sky. You got to do it just like this. It doesn't exist. So see, yeah, you can release yourself from that. Because I think part of it is you think, wow, I put so much energy into the conservatory and um, all this discipline it takes to get to that level. And you think that I lose it all because now someone will say to me, can you sit down and play this song? And I'm like, no, because I'm, I'm so rusty right now. I refuse to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you think that I waste all that time? No, it's not. No, but you know what, given that you're a musician and it's in your blood and it's in your heart, I think your soul is waiting for that inspiration to come where you choose, you genuinely want to play for the joy of playing not for the fear of not being prepared for rehearsal. Cause I'm going to bet, cause I'm a musician as well. I'm going to bet that a lot of the motives are in your, like even as much as you like to rehearse and to play, there's mm-hmm. always that I got to keep up. I got to keep up. And there's, yeah. so there's a bit of that fear-based desire that oh, yeah. kept you going. Right. Yeah. And so you don't want to go back to that. Cause what is that? That's resistance. Yeah. And so there's a part of your soul saying, Hey, it's going to come, but it'll, it'll click. Like, you know, there's going to be one day you're like, actually, I just want to play. I want to feel good at this. Right. And you're going to feel just compelled from the heart to sit down and work on it from a place of true desire, not from a place of should or fear. And right. so just be I open think to that, that might come when I retire 
and it will be directed towards um, sharing my knowledge with children mm. more, more than actually performing. Oh my gosh. Did your heart just open when you heard that everyone? I just got chills. I just got chills. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh. I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm trying to figure it all out too. And this is very, um, no, figure, figure feel it, it out. out, feel it out, feel it out. You're yeah. not gonna feel it. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. But some of, some of the, some of, uh, some of our beliefs go pretty deep. Mm-hmm. So oh, there's, yeah, yeah. Does anybody else have any questions that they'd like to ask or any uh, comments? Anybody else? Yeah, okay, Noel. Yeah. Hi. Um, I was listening, and I I apologize to a um a you I think it was YouTube of you talking to a man who was off camera. Jen, you might know what it was. And oh, yeah. I apologize. I yeah. wasn't able to catch all of it. I was doing stuff while I was listening. But one part of it really hit me that I heard. And I was just, I, I wanted to see how, how it connects with this whole metric that you're, yeah. you say everything relates to. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it was the question, um, what do I stand for or oh, how do, yes. <laughs> and it's been with me ever since. I think I listened to it, uh, that I just heard that on Saturday and every day I've been, what do I stand for? So how does it relate to this resistance? As- <laughs> oh my goodness. So much. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. Noel. this is one of my favorite, favorite conversations. And if I'm, and if, and I'm, I'm trying to recall, I think that the YouTube you're referring to is years ago. It was one of my First assistant, yeah, with Casey, he's just a delight and one of my favorite people in the world. It was a great conversation. So this concept of, this is a big one, okay? So I'm going to talk for a little bit because I want to give you all a framework to think about, um, to help you navigate with confidence. Um, So this might help you, Maria. This is going to be a framework to help you be bold and really truly on purpose in your more of your moments. Um, And the question really revolves around this question, what do you stand for? And so we could look at that question from the perspective of, you know, what do you stand for for all time? You know, I stand for, you know, and it's got, and we have this idea that it needs to be grandiose and huge and, you know, life-changing and unique and important. And, and I say, that's interesting. We could think about that question from that lens, but really the, the way I like to think about this question is what what am I going to stand for right now? And so here, here, here's the kind of the, the framework. At every moment in time, right now, five minutes from now, for each and every one of us, we're always standing for something, but we're usually not aware of what it is. And the reason for that is because of the way our minds work. And I'll explain that in a moment, but let me give you an example. So in every moment, we're standing for something. You can think of it this way. It's an underlying primary objective in that moment. And we're usually not aware of it. It's there, but we're not aware of it. So for example, here I am, I'm doing this book talk with you all. Now, if I didn't know what I know, I could ultimately be standing for you all liking me, right? Or I could ultimately be standing for getting business. Or I could ultimately be standing for doing this right and getting it done on time. Or 
I could be standing for connection and empowerment, right? So in my case, I'm really clear that that's what I'm standing for. This isn't about anything other than that. And I'm clear about that, but I have to choose that because guess what? A stance is going to come at There's going to be a stance and oftentimes we're not aware. So here's another example. Um, How many of you are married and have a partner? You live with someone. Okay. Now, how many times have you gotten into a tiff and you're like, you're in that normal argument and you're thinking to yourself, oh gosh, you know, if God, I'm, I'm trying to do this just so we can finally be in harmony and your noble self is convinced you're standing for harmony. No, let's be honest. You're standing for winning. And if you know, you're standing for being right, and if he saw you as right, then you'd be in harmony, right? And so in every moment, there's this underlying stance. Here's another one that everybody gets. Have you ever had to give hard feedback to a colleague or to someone, and it was really hard, like someone you liked? Have you ever had to give hard feedback to a friend or a colleague, and it's hard? Has you ever had that experience? Yeah. Good. We'll check this out. It's only hard for one reason. In that moment of opportunity, where you have an opportunity to give your colleague or friend some hard feedback, the only reason it's hard is because in that moment of opportunity, you are standing for something that you're not choosing, that you didn't mean to, and it's not serving you. In that moment of opportunity, you are standing for avoiding conflict. You're standing for being liked. You're standing for protecting them from their feelings. You are not standing for their growth. So what I want you to think now is that in every moment, we have a spotlight that we get to control. We forget that we control it, but we control it. And we get to decide what's this about. And so by not controlling the spotlight, by not owning what we are ultimately standing for in a moment, we're going to be kind of a victim to an unintentional stance. Here's a really big one that a lot of people resonate with. Does anybody here get nervous when you have to speak in front of people? Who gets nervous? Okay, so nervousness is really common. Well, guess what? You ready for this? I don't have that problem. Okay, good, right. Well, and you know what? I'm gonna tell you why, Jen. This is gonna, I'm gonna break it down and make the invisible visible. The only reason we get nervous is because in that moment of opportunity, if we're about to speak and we've got the anxiety and and the thing, yeah, not nerves of adrenaline, that's healthy and normal, but the, you know, and you, you start to forget what you're gonna say, nervousness. Nervousness is simply a symptom that in that moment, you are standing for something that you're not choosing. You don't mean to be, and it's not serving you in that moment of opportunity. You are standing for looking good. You're standing for proving yourself. You're standing for avoiding judgment. You're standing for you. But here's the thing. You would never choose that. It just happens. And it has to do with our neurobiology, which I can explain in a moment. But still, what I want you to hear is that It just happens. You're standing. You're making this about you. This isn't about you. Why are you talking? And so we have an opportunity to go, no, 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 no. This is about a connection. This is about empowerment. This is about possibility. This is about a call to action. I don't know. There's a reason you're talking. But the moment you claim it. So this is why I say, what will you stand for right now? What will you stand for? Boom. What are you going to make this about? In each of our moments, we get to choose what we're making this about. I get in an argument with my husband. It's like, oh, right, right, right. No, I'm not standing for winning. I'm not standing for being right. I'm standing for connection, right? If I get in a tip with my own children, right? I might default to standing for principle and my discipline. No, 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 no. This is, I'm standing for, for coming together and learning and growing together. Right, right, right. And so 
what that conversation is, I'm pretty sure it's been a while since I did it, but it's, it's this agency we have moment by moment where we get to choose our focal point. And when we have the ability to choose our focal point, here's what's so great about that. And here's now where it plays in with resistance. If we're not careful, oh, and let me just break this down. Here's why a stance just happens that doesn't serve us. Now, remember, if you read in the book, rejection is death to the brain, right? So on a neurobiological level, we are doing whatever we can to avoid social rejection threats and all of that. So that's constantly going, which determines our perception and how we think and the decisions we make on a non-cognitive level. Okay, that's going on. But here's what else is really important. The conscious mind that feels so busy, the one that's right here with me, listening, that's noting the time, that's wondering what's for dinner, that's wondering what you're going to do tomorrow, that's wondering when this is going to be over, that feels so busy, that process is at a rate of 40 neuronal synaptic connections per second. 40, okay? The subconscious mind processes at a rate of 40 million neuronal wow. synaptic connections per second. Because then you're going to think, oh my God, like there's so much more going on than I realized. That is true. And so what, what I share that because you're going to be going about your days and you're going to slip into a stance that you didn't really choose. Oh, this is about winning. This is about being right. This is about looking good. This is about playing safe. This is about being liked. This is about, but you wouldn't choose that if given the choice, it just happens because it's, it's in the 40 million neuron per second too. So if you care about how you feel, that's step one. Step two is to catch when you don't feel great. That is, oh my gosh, if I'm, that chances are I'm probably standing for something that's not serving me. Well, what happens when we're standing for something that's not serving us, it's going to inevitably create an internal dialogue around this self-preoccupation. What do they think? Oh my gosh. And so we're res there's all of this resistance and all of our bandwidth is jammed up in, in ways that just don't serve us. Like, I got to look good. What are they thinking about me? How, oh, am I, am I being liked? Am I right? So all of that is just, again, it's holding this out while you're trying to operate. So when you choose a stance, no, 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 no. This is about empowerment. So, so I'm going to go back to Maria, how Maria was saying, you know, I want to travel, but I'm nervous to go out on my own. It's like, okay, well, you can stand for playing it super safe, or you can stand for your expansion. You can stand for connections with others. You can stand for growing your perceptual horizon. Now, just notice by claiming that as a focal point, this is about expanding my perceptual horizon. This is about my growth. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, all those resources now get channeled into that one focal point. And this is where innovation, creativity, eloquence, influence, clarity come from. And so when we're deliberate, about this as a practice and we claim what we will stand for in our moments more often than not, we get rid of that resistance that's cycling in the background that keeps us from being clear, from being bold and from being confident. Yeah. So that's wow. a lot of me talking. Does that make sense? Yeah. Wow. I mean, you're very captivating. I, re I remember Noel, it was, um, it was a, yeah, we didn't see the person, but it was a younger man from what I sounded like to me and he was talking about he, he overthinking overthinking things he didn't want to overthink it before he said it because he didn't feel authentic and you then made it clear that 
well, thinking about what we say before we say it is uh, some form of kindness or something. I mean, you, you ended up turning the whole conversation into something like, wow. And yeah, I remember that because the next day when I did the reading, Noel, I'm, I'm like, I, st I came on, I'm like, hey, everybody, this is day number 1,270 and I stand for space for women. <laughs> and I'm like, really owning the space. And I'm like, well, because it made me think too. It made me think too, what it is that we stand for. Yeah, yeah. Um, two quick things because it's we gotta we gotta we gotta wrap it up. Yeah, but, but um, I would, but I do want to go back. Just if I'll let you, Jen, but but back to Noel. So it's something. So sure. if that question does resonate, like if if it's like, wow, what do I stand for? It is so nourishing to just go ahead and go for the big one too. Like in my case. I just have decided that I stand for raising the vibration of consciousness. That's what I stand for. And that is the singular lens that I choose to look through in most of my moments. Now, is it appropriate in all moments? Well, maybe not grocery shopping, maybe not walking the dog. I mean, maybe it is, but, but it can be a okay to be like, you know, what is it that like, it could be just increasing the happiness level in the planet. It could be about, you know, teaching compassion. How do you decide? But it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be crazy. It just has to feel amazing when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Anybody else have any questions? Because we're going to ask Amy to. Um, I'm going to let her. Let her just. I, I mean, I want it. There's a couple more. I just didn't want. The, you, you have the. Uh, know that life is working for you, not to you, and your worthiness requires no validation. Um, and, uh, just one quick question then, do you consider this a spiritual practice? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, um, and do I say that to everybody? Well, it's really, it, it comes up when it's relevant for people that are, that's like, yeah, it is a spiritual practice. Does it have to be seen as a spiritual practice? No, it could be seen as a perceptual practice. And so this is where you know, for me, it's a spiritual practice. Yeah. And what I'm do I mean by that? That's, that way. Yeah, no, could I double click on that? Like, what does that actually mean? Well, I would say, you know, I really do subscribe to this idea that there's so much more going on than we can, we can fathom. Like we've got these small ability to really understand. And there's just so much beyond our five senses that we can process and comprehend and um you know and i and i really take solace in in knowing that and feeling that and that there's something bigger here and so um i do rest upon that sort of faith and you know to to really think through a lot of this these perceptual shifts is it required no you could take on these choices as just simple choice as profound choices and as perceptual shifts. But for me personally, it's a spiritual practice. Yeah. Well, as I'm reading it, I'm like, this feels like a spiritual, but so, you know, so is self-discipline and a lot of other things, <laughs> you know, so yes. uh, it depends, I guess, what, what eyes, um, any final thoughts, Amy, anything you'd like to say before we, before we, yeah, you know, I thank you. Something that I think is helpful to share is, um, you know, and this comes up a lot in coaching, you know, when we're going through the process of transformation, inevitably, you know, if we're doing the real deep work and not just communication work, but the real deep work and one confronts 
that question, what are you most afraid people are going to find out or decide? Oh, and I'm like, oh God, then I'm not worthy. And, and when one really identifies, wow, I am choosing to believe I'm unworthy. I am, huh? And it's either new news or it's old news, but we get to that point where they get that they're choosing it. I just want to share that I get how frustrating it is that like, wow, I get it. I get that I'm choosing to believe that I'm not worthy. Wow. I get it that I'm choosing to believe that I'm not good enough or that I'm not competent or that I'm not, or I'm weak or whatever it might be. I get how frustrating it is because it's not that, oh, hey, great. Look, you just discovered this. It's like, no, that's not the work. The challenge is I get, you don't know how to choose otherwise. Like I get that I'm choosing, I'm not good enough, but how the heck do I choose otherwise? And so the reason I wrote this book was because it's not so much identifying that we're choosing that, it's getting to a perceptual place where we can choose otherwise. And so the roadmap, when you follow it all the way through, it really is about making a new choice accessible. Because it's, you get that, yeah, I'd love to choose to know that I'm whole and complete. How do I do that? Right? It, you get that it's a choice, but it doesn't feel accessible. And so this book, and I, and I, I deeply intimately get this, this book has been written and formatted to get people to that place of accessible choice where it feels like, okay, I totally get this. I get how I am whole and complete. And I get the work to actually just choose it. Aha, I get that. And so um, that was really important to me because I didn't want this to just be another book like, hey, think better thoughts and you'll be on your way. It's like, well, yeah, but you got to organically derive for yourself that truth. And so that's really what this is about. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, if you, th uh, thank you. Thank you so oh. very much. Um, if you'd like to work with Amy directly, you can contact her at her website, which is alwaysonpurpose.com. Yeah. You'll also find free sample of her book there where you can read the free sample of her book. There's other pre PDF, uh, free PDF articles. There's lots and lots, like five pages of articles that um, the articles are like three-step uh, process to always living on purpose, how to work with procrastination, yeah. strength, strengthen your awareness, slow the aging process with perspective and more, just tons and tons more. Um, you can also connect with Amy on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Yeah. And, and truth uh, be told, I'm actually really not on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. I just, I'm just not. So, I mean, you could, you can connect, but I'm rarely on those platforms. I'm definitely more on LinkedIn, but feel free to try. You just won't find me hanging out there too much. <laughs> it's time. It's time. It's time, you know, yeah. uh, but I'll send all this information out tomorrow yeah. in the follow-up email along with the replay link. Yeah, yeah. Amy, thank you again for, for sharing so openly. Oh, um, grateful for your time and energy. Thank you ladies for sharing thank so much for, tonight also. Yeah. Thanks for, for taking the time to hang out with me. Like I said, it's really an honor and I, uh, well, hey, we're all on this journey together, you know, um, just doing our best to thrive. And I just, I so honor you being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Living on purpose. What a yeah. great message. Thank you, Amy. Yeah. Thank gratitude. you so much. All and right. Gratitude. Take care. Namaste. I look forward to being in touch, everybody. Take care. Thank mm -hmm. you, ladies.